This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry, the Cat's Paws. Derek, how are you? Good well, Sean. How are you? And we're also joined by a special guest who's, uh, this isn't his first appearance on Kentucky Daily, but Jack Pilgrim of KSR, who made the trip down to Starkville with me. Jack, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we are sitting next to one another at the Courtyard Marriott Suites in Starkville, Mississippi, having a great time uh, watching some college football, just just enjoying life, man. It's 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 good to be here. Also navigating some Zoom issues, Derek. I know you're used to that with me now. <laughs> uh, we'll find a way through it. I'm going to have to actually move to Lexington to make sure this podcast doesn't <laughs> go under for bad audio. Uh, no, this is... Uh, we were going to record the mailbag episode early Friday morning, but I forgot about the Tech Slayer Bowl press conference, so that kind of interfered, and then we left at noon, got down here actually staying uh, not far away from the Kentucky men's basketball team, are we, Jack? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and say we saw them walking into the uh, into the hotel, and we can drop some scoop. Terrence Clark is still in a boot, and they're having a team meeting slash dinner tonight, so... Boom, there you go. And Dante Allen hit five threes walking across the parking lot. <laughs> no. No, in all seriousness, no. This is the mailbag episode, Derek. We've got a full mailbag, uh, so let's just jump right into it. The way we're going to do this, uh, let's do I'll – ask, I'll ask a question, you answer it, you ask one, I'll answer one, Jack will answer one. That way we're not doing three takes on the same one. Maybe if it's a big one. We'll all three go on it, but let's. we just want to make sure we get this out there to you. So I'll start with uh, Brandon Weiss. Uh, this is for you, Derek. Percent chance Chris Rodriguez ends up back at UK in the draft, transferring to Georgia or another power? Um, yeah, I've not heard anything that suggests that Rodriguez won't be back after this year. Um, so I'd put it around, I don't know. I wouldn't put it at 100 just because you never know, but – Probably at least 90, 95. Um, I don't see him transferring, and I think he's a year away from the NFL draft. So I think he'll come back next year. I think he'll be the featured back in this offense under Liam Cohen. And then I think after his junior season, he'll have a choice to make. So I guess what we're going to do this is I'll stick with Brandon's question, Sean, and ask ask the second one to you. Is that how you want to do this? Yeah, that, yeah, that's fine. Okay. So Brandon had another question. It was, who has the advantage at the moment for QB next year? Gatewood, more mature and better athlete. Allen seems to fit better with the new OC. I'll go Bo Allen just because that Liam Cohen knew his name 
during his introductory press conference to uh, Kentucky fans in the media. Not not saying that Joey Gatewood's not an option, Derek, but it certainly seems like that Bo Allen, uh, we've been saying this for two months now, that that was the guy that they were pitching to recruits like Christian Lewis and keeping everybody together and probably pitching it to possible transfer options pretty soon too. Uh, But I think, too, it was very important that Merrill came out and said what he said about Joey Gatewood earlier this week, too, because it seemed like that was kind of some positive pub for him, too. Uh, hear both of them getting some positive uh, PR and stuff in, in media sessions heading into the bowl game, because you've got to have both those guys there, because if one, let's say Joey Gatewood transfers out, then you're just an injury away to Bo Allen from being in an awful situation at quarterback. You need both those guys in your program. So, I, I, But I would say Allen fits exactly what they want to do in the future long-term. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So I would say as well. But uh, for whatever reason, I do think Joey sends a better chance to play against NC State a little bit versus uh, Bo. I mean, just being back in Jacksonville, I think I think if they're not going to play Terry the whole game, I think Joey's going to get first crack at it. I mean, that's how it's been all season. So besides Vanderbilt, I think that's how it'll be. So I'll, we'll do this one for Jack. This can be one we all chime in on if you want to. This is from David Wood. Says Sean and Derek, do you see Cal ever giving an offer to a Kentucky player ever again? With how the whole Allen experience has played out with people of Kentucky, putting pressure on Cal to play more kids for Kentucky. Uh, what do you think about that, Jack? Yeah, I definitely think that we will see another player from Kentucky in a, in a Kentucky uniform. And I don't want people to think that Dante Allen's experience at Kentucky has been, you know, poor or anything. Sean and I have both been in, in regular contact with people close to Dante and and you know his camp, and and they're actually extremely positive and and hopeful about the future. Um, you know, I, I you know was totally honest asking about if there are any transfer possibilities or how things are going. They're like, no, that's not even remotely on our minds right now. We are still all in on this process. Um, we trust we trust the coaching staff. Things are you know he's getting healthier and feeling better. So yeah, I'm, I'm I definitely think that when when. Dante Allen's time comes, he will take advantage of it, and, and people will need to be patient with him. Um, and when when future Kentucky players, in, in-state players, see that, they will continue to want to come to Kentucky, and I'm sure Cal will see fits for them on the roster as well. I, I agree with that. I don't, I don't think that this will be a cutoff to in-state recruiting at all. Uh, we still don't know how this is going to play out with Dante Allen. Honestly, we're still pretty early in Dante Allen's career at Kentucky. So, I mean, there's still still a long ways to go. Things can change. We'll see how what happens tomorrow, Derek. I know that was a big topic on our show this week was will Dante get his chance or not. Uh, Derek, I'll ask you this one. It comes from UK Shane, who uh, all these I think all these people have been in the mailbag at least once. Uh, guys, do you think how we are playing is going to affect recruiting next year? I assume he means basketball. Um, and I assume he's talking about the 2022 class. Uh, I'd say, I'd say no. I mean, I still think Cal's track record's long enough that, I mean, one year like this is not gonna, I don't think it's going to kill the program. Um, might he, I don't know. I just don't know if this, the recruiting philosophy, first of all, is even going to be the same anyway. Just a couple of the top kids are already off the board. Like Amoni Bates is, Everybody talks about him being one of the first kids to be able to go to the NBA once this rule passes or if it passes. So I don't know. Like Jack might have a better idea of some of those top kids who they might want to get. I know they offered Jalen Duran or however you say his last name. 
But no, like I don't think they're going to go all of a sudden recruiting a bunch of three star and low four star kids. Like I think they'll still be right in the mix for any kid. I mean, it's still Kentucky. Any kid they want, like no one's just trying to turn them down. Like they're, I mean, in terms of talking to them, like they'll still have a chance to recruit all the best kids in the country. So no, I don't think it's going to be a major change. I don't think so either. And uh, next question, staying on basketball topic, comes from Micah Pearson. Are recruits really afraid to come to a program where their fans are mean to them if they are underperforming? I don't want to say that recruits are afraid, but I think when it comes to families and it comes to families sending their child anywhere, let's say if it's only 200 miles or if it's cross country, I think that kind of plays a factor into it. And you got parents. I mean, parents are the biggest influence on all these kids. I mean, that's the thing. If parents are kind of preaching their concerns and seeing things, I think it bleeds over to the recruit himself. But what do you think about it, Jack? Yeah, and I will say just this week alone, uh, I, I talked to somebody um, close to the U.K. program that actually told me that they had one parent in particular reach out uh, and kind of voice their concerns about, hey, you know, we we are kind of concerned about how fans are treating, you know, the players are not not even – directly but just how down they are on the program that that it was a conversation that that UK had to have with a with a a parent already because they are noticing the negativity they are noticing that that some of the fans are reaching out to players directly and and that I mean it, it's I don't want to say it's make or break it's not going to like you know deter recruits from coming in the future it's it's not going to get to that point but um, it, it is a conversation that UK is having to have with recruits right now. Um, so that's kind of I, I put out a little, hey, let's stop tweeting at these kids and and doing all that because it's you know it, it might seem easy in the process to go, oh, this guy this guy sucks, this guy's not any good, this guy's this 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 guy's that. Um, but it, you know the the UK program is having to fight a lot of that off right now with with future recruits. So. Just something to keep in mind, and so yeah, I don't think it's a long-term issue, but it's it's definitely just something to um, keep track of. These next two are recruiting questions, so I'll ask those to, uh, to both of you guys. It comes from Keith Spencer. First question is: If Sky Clark reclassifies, does he start over a sophomore? Ask you. As a fan, should we temper our expectations on what uh, Sky Clark can do at point guard? It's a tough question of whether or not he'll start over Askew because I, I still think that there's question marks of whether or not Askew will be point guard in this program long term, which we I think we are kind of to the point, Jack, that we know that Scott Clark is coming in with the mindset of being a point guard that can score the basketball. Uh, I don't want to say that fans should temper their expectations with Scott Clark. I mean, obviously, this year is kind of the year where you look and say, wow, everybody kind of... Uh, build B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, you know, to be stars, and they've struggled to this point. Doesn't mean that they won't get it figured out. But uh, as far as expectations for Sky, you and I have both seen Sky in person. Uh, Sky can play. I think Sky kind of fits. Does it make sense if I say he fits a little better with the way his game and stuff with the ball in his hands and things he's so used to having the ball in his hands? But I think he also facilitates. I think they could use a guy like Scott on this team, honestly, somebody that can kind of create and make things easier for everyone else. Yeah, I, I do, and, and I'm very high on Sky. I, I think he's going to be a very, very good player. But when you get a reclassified point guard, as we're seeing with Devin Askew, as, I mean, Terrence Clark is a reclass guy, um, you go down the list, it, you know, Ashton Hagen's had his struggles to start with. 
I think we got to realize that Devin Askew is a, I mean, he was a top 25 recruit in the nation, five-star. I mean, he was rated as high as highly as, as he was for a reason. Um, but, you know, it kind of reminds me of the manual quickly situation where Emmanuel had an obvious, you know, her, several adversities and hurdles to, to um, clear when he first got on campus. He struggled to kind of adapt to the being a, a pure point guard uh, initially. And then it, in year two, we kind of saw that, that aha moment for him. And, and I really don't want people to discount Devin Askew in the long term. I mean, he's only seven games in his career. We've already seen him at his worst, and we've, you know, I, I think every game for the last two or three games, he's been, you know, improving. You know, who knows what he's going to be by the end of this year, let alone by next off, you know, next off season, and then going into the 2021-2022 season. So yeah, I don't think it's, it, it, I think it's way too early to write him off, and and I think we should assume that Askew will be that guy going into year two, and then Sky will be that that great complimentary piece should he reclassify. That, that's what I was hinting at too when I was talking about playing together and you know Devin can obviously slot off the ball he's already doing that some right now and I think that that's going to be a role that he's going to kind of carve out over the rest the remainder of this season and uh, if he's back at Kentucky going into next year too I just think that Sky with the ball in his hands kind of of the two I think I'd rather have Sky being the point guard Devin off the ball but then Devin Askew right there too with the ball in his hands as well I think it could set up to be a very nice thing for Kentucky's backcourt next year if both of them are there. I agree with uh, what you guys have said. Let's go to the second question from Keith. It says, why the swing on Hunter Salas' crystal ball? Anything to do with Chet, which is obviously referring to Chet Holmgren, who picked up a crystal ball from Gonzaga as well. Um, and he says, or do the Z- well, I think he's asking if the Gonzaga's success this season is what's led to this. So what do you guys think? Um, I'll, I'll jump in on that one. I don't think it really has anything to do with Chet, um, you know, I think Chet's his own individual guy, and he's a guy that I wish that UK went after, but, um, you know, obviously that hasn't come to fruition. He will not be at Kentucky, but yeah, Hunter is a guy that uh, he's very quiet. He's very, um, you know, kind of reserved. He's a very, very talented player, but, um, you know, I don't want to say he shies away from the spotlight or anything, because that wouldn't be fair to him at all. I mean, he's a, he's a superstar standout talent, but um, you know, he is kind of quiet Demeter. He's from, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, just kind of a small town kid. And, and, you know, the staying a little bit, uh, you know, West coast, staying on that side of, of, you know, the United States, that might play a little bit of part of it. And yeah, I think, I think recruits are seeing how good Gonzaga is. You know, it's kind of like that every, every couple of years, there's that one school that kind of gets hot Texas tech there for a while, Villanova, where they start getting some of those, some of those guys, but I don't want to, it's definitely not a done deal with Hunter Salas at all um, that he's going to Gonzaga. I mean, that's, I, I would say that they have picked up the majority of the momentum right now, um, but this is a kid that he is not in any rush to make a decision. He's told me, as coaches told me, talked to several people close to him, that, that he's in no rush to make a decision. He wants to visit schools before he decides. So, um, you know, whether UK starts getting crystal balls again, Gonzaga, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever other programs pick up momentum, I don't think that's you know, indicative of any imminent decision or anything like that. So I think fans can still be patient with Hunter Salas. And, and you know, I, you look at, uh, you know, 
Jaden Hardy is another guy out there. There's so many other top options still with you know the immediate transfer rule as well. Grad, there there are going to be a bunch of of high level options for Kentucky. Uh, I, I don't want fans to think the sky's falling just because this season is, has started out so poorly. Um, you know, UK will still be UK on on the recruiting circuit. Um, so yeah, just pay, patience is is very very important right now. And uh, Derek, the next question comes from Ben Ray. I'll send this one your way. So this is going to be an interesting draft year. Would you rather let this season continue to sink if it means more guys back next year or go on a run and potentially potentially lose one to two unexpected guys to the draft? And I realize that that could happen anyways. Well, um, when reading that question, I'm trying to figure out what's more likely anyway, if guys are just going to leave regardless or if they could actually go on a run. So... Um, I still kind of operate in the same mind frame I have been anyway. Like, I still just think no matter if you go on a run or no matter if the season continues to be bad, like, that core group of guys, which is Jacob Toppin, Keon Brooks, Fletcher, Allen, Ware, whoever else, Askew, basically anyone that's not the two seniors or the three freshmen, Jackson, Clark, and uh, Boston that we expect to leave anyway, like, I still think those guys need to be your focus on keeping them around for the next season anyway. And I think if you get anybody else back out of that, because, of course, the two seniors are, are eligible for it as well with the NCAA rule, I think if you get any one of those other guys back, you, you kind of view it as a pretty successful offseason. So, I mean, the obvious answer is yeah. I mean, if they could win every game from here on out as a fan, I think that's what you should cheer for. We both know that's not likely. So uh, the way I would answer that question is just kind of how I did, like focus on those guys that you're – that really, those are the guys that don't have an NBA future as of today, um, and also, you know, you just don't want to lose those guys to transfer, basically. So those are the guys I would focus on, and I think at some point this season there might be a little bit of a run, but I still have my doubts that this group ever comes together to a point where you get to the NCAA tournament and you legitimately feel like they could win an, an NCAA championship. I just I don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of questions around this team right now, uh, which leads into the next question from Kentucky Sports Talk. Hate to say it, but what are your thoughts on whether or not Terrence Clark regrets not accepting his G League deal? Uh, I'm going to say that Terrence Clark, G League or not, has aspirations of playing in the NBA, not just the G League. And I think the – I mean, the jury's still out on Clark. I mean, this is such a young – uh, season right now. I mean, even though we're into January now, they've only played seven games. Terrence Clark's had a bad ankle for more than a couple of weeks now. Uh, like Jack said when we opened this, he's still in a walking boot right now at the hotel. Uh, so clearly he's not healthy. Uh, I think it's too early to ride off him because I think he, he he's he's able to do some good things. I just want to wait and see uh, once he's at full strength, you know, how things open up for him. Uh, I still think he's done some really good things this year. Obviously he's bounced around from being a two and a three to having to play some one while Kentucky was struggling struggling offensively. So I, I'm going to say he doesn't regret it because uh, I still think in his mind he obviously the NBA is still the end goal and just getting there, whether he accepted that or not. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I, with what he's shown this year, I mean, if he would have gone – I forget all the specifics on the G League stuff. Like, it's kind of more or less just like training now, right? Like, they're with other guys their age. It's not like you're just getting thrown into the 
like I think how it used to be was you would just go to the G League and you would be 19 years old playing against guys who are you know fighting for their livelihood. Like I don't. Do you guys know any more details on that? I think it's more or less like you're with other kids your age, just developing, right? Yeah, it has been um, like that for the majority of the time, but they they have just just recently started uh, scrimmaging against some some real talent. In fact, I think one of the teams they just most recently played was Isaiah Briscoe. You know, one of those fringe. Uh, you know, kind of trying to make it to the NBA, but still trying to figure out where he's go- going to end up, but still a, you know, obviously a high-level college athlete and, and a pro talent, whether that be in the NBA or overseas or whatever. Um, so they're, they're still going up against some level of, of talent. But, yeah, it's it's definitely not anything organized or, you know, high extremely high-level competition. It's definitely more um, just kind of a makeshift, let's get through this, COVID period with whatever we can get done with, with, you know, those type of scrimmages. I think one of the last mock drafts for Clark had him like in the twenties at this point. So I was trying to get to a point where I was going to say, like, I don't think me at Kentucky's helped his draft stock, but if they would have been in a like situation where he didn't look too good against already, you know, guys who are already pros or fringe NBA guys, I don't know if it would have helped or hurt his draft stock more. I mean, I guess he would have been getting paid, but that would have been a lot like, it's nothing to scoff at, but like a couple hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it's uh, hell. I'd take that right now if someone offered it to me. But at the same time, like, it might be hard, you know, to stick. Uh, I'm just thinking a spot where he's at. Like, I said this on yesterday's show or two days ago, whenever it was. Like, if he's if he is is hurt, and I, he's, I know he's trying to push through it, you applaud him for that. But like, if Terrence Clark is just going to be a jump shooter, that's not really his strength, and he's not really helping Kentucky, and I don't think he's helping himself. So yeah. it wouldn't be a bad idea for him to, to sit some games out until he's fully healthy, in my opinion. I don't know if that's what he'll do, but I don't think he's helping himself at all, and I don't think he's helping Kentucky by playing the role that he is right now. Well, here's the deal. I mean, he's hurt, and here's how I know he's hurt now. I mean, we're at, we're at Starkville. We're at the hotel. They They don't know that we're staying here. And he comes out in a walking boot, had no idea that we were there. So it's not just for show, is it, Jack? I mean, mm-hmm. he's yeah. obviously uh, hurt that ankle and is doing anything he can to kind of, you know, keep some pressure and, and work some of the soreness and stuff out of that. And, and I will say um, this week Calipari mentioned, uh, you know, when talking about Dante Allen getting more playing time and getting more opportunities and, um, you know, adding that pressure on him potentially he said one of our guys is is still hurt and kind of hinted at the fact that Clark might play not might not play here in Starkville so um, I I don't know if that will end up being true but you know Cal at least kind of hinted that the reason why we might see Dante Allen is because uh, no minutes or limited minutes for for Clark so yeah sitting out at this point might be uh, in, in his best interest long term. And staying on the Dante Allen topic, let's all three just answer this one really quickly. Pretty simple. Dante Allen, over and under 20 points. I'll start. Under. Way under. <laughs> Way over. He's dropping 50. <laughs> I, think the, I think even right at 20. <laughs> <laughs> I just said he dropped 15 walking across the parking lot just a few minutes ago. No. If he just goes in tomorrow and just hits a shot or just plays a stretch of minutes and has some success, I think it's a big deal. Uh, Derek, this one comes from Brandon. It's a football question. I missed it earlier. I already kept it with that. Uh, names Kentucky would go after in the transfer portal on the football side. That's kind of hard to kind of key in on right now because we also obviously we got to have names in the portal before you can kind of key in on that. Yeah, I mean a lot of the names we thought. Well, I won't say a lot, but a few of the names that we thought they'd be in on: Brian Hudson, Zach Carpenter. Those two guys have both committed elsewhere. I know uh, Jermaine Johnson. 
who uh, was transferring from Georgia. I know Kentucky would have liked him as well. He went to Florida State. Zach Carpenter committed to Indiana last night. And then, of course, Hudson committed to Louisville. So the thing to keep in mind with the portal is they're – yeah, they're going to – there will continue to be guys going into that, but also after spring as well, there will probably be some more kids. I mean, that's kind of going to be a never-ending thing, um, the portal. So they have plenty of spots open. Um, you know, some of the – rumored names that Kentucky might be looking into haven't even entered the portal yet, so I won't mention them. But as of now, I mean, I couldn't give you a good answer because the guys we thought beforehand have already committed elsewhere. So I am sure they will, you know, tomorrow's the last game. So once that's over, there's, you know, you got the spring or the the February signing period still to potentially add high school recruits if they choose to. But here pretty soon, Liam Cohen's going to be on campus uh, once he gets done with the Rams. Like, I think that might be a time where you see maybe a new crop of guys pop up uh, in both the the portal and also in terms of Kentucky targets. So I don't think there's anyone imminent right now. If if there is, I I will drop this little hint. Uh, There is a – a potential starting linebacker in the league that I think of Jamin Davis leaves, I think Kentucky feels like it could probably get. Um, but that's as far as I'll say on that. I think it's really dependent on if Davis leaves. Haven't heard one way or the other on Jamin. Um, it sounds like he's really going to you know, have a decision to make. I don't think he's going to get a, a very high grade, but it might be at a spot where he can get drafted. So we'll see. I think he could really use another year because I think he'll – I think he's a guy who could shoot up to a potential second, third-round pick next year with another really good season. So I hope for his sake that he hangs around because I think he would be shorting himself a little bit had he left now. But that is one situation to watch, though, if Jamin does leave. I think they would want to add another starting caliber type linebacker, and I think they would be able to do so. Good stuff, Derek. I'm sure uh, once that becomes a, a big topic, I'm sure we'll go more into it if, if that plays out. A uh, couple more, one in – uh, the, the replies, and then I had one I missed last week. Uh, Derek, I'll let you take this one. If there's any chance of this happening, should UK try to get Kenny Payne to be head coach when Cal retires? This, we've actually talked about this on the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer the same as I did last time. I think once Kenny went to the Knicks, that just kind of went away. I mean, I think the biggest reason I would have advocated probably for Kenny or, or why he would have made the most sense for the program is just he would have had a connection. Because just the way it's going to play out, if I had to guess, once Cal leaves, pretty much everyone on that roster is going to try to leave, either go to the NBA or transfer. So I think having a guy like Kenny Payne on the sidelines probably could have, one, kept the incoming recruiting class, and two, probably kept some of those kids around. But now that he won't be – I mean, you got to think about Kentucky's roster turnover. One or two more years, you'll be at a spot where Kenny probably didn't recruit or coach any of these kids. So at that point, he's – you know, he's not – there's no continuity there, so – Maybe Kenny left because he, you know, he didn't think it was going to be happening anytime soon. So I, the way I would answer it is no. Like I don't think Kenny would be a will be a guy now that he decided to leave, which I don't blame him at all for wanting to try to further his career and go to the NBA. Uh, and I'm sure there was no guarantee, regardless, that had Cal left, he would have gotten that job. So don't fault him at all, but don't don't think he'll be the next coach at Kentucky though. No, I don't think so either. And this is the one I missed uh, last week. It comes from Ezra. This is the final question. It's kind of a, a two-part thing on, uh, you know, the, with, with what Kyle Tucker reported last week, that there were some players that said sources close to the program indicate Calipari is currently in a power struggle with multiple other key players on the roster. He said, we'd love to hear your guys' take on this and break this down as well and what it means and who those players might be. Uh, having missed it last week, I mean, obviously, it's it's not a problem now. 
if there was something to it because they did play Louisville. Cameron Fletcher is now back on the team. Uh, so it seems like if there was something there, it's kind of uh, been mended to this point. I mean, it's been, what, almost two weeks now. What, do you mm-hmm. have anything to say, Jack? Yeah, I will say that there were some rumblings after uh, after the Cameron Fletcher situation. There were some. There was a little bit of buzz that it could be a little bit more. We could hear some other, you know, bigger decisions in the near in you know the not so distant future. Um, but Cal has used every opportunity that he could, and you know, talking to the media recently, saying we have no internal issues. We are back to. You know, we're back to being good. Everything's fine inside the program. No more issues. Um, I, I think in his eyes, the Cameron Fletcher, you know, sending him home and, and kind of giving him a break away from the team has kind of fixed some of some of the other issues that, that might have ailed the team just, just slightly. So, um, I, I, yeah, I don't think we'll see anything massive unless, uh, you know, unless the season just keeps going down. You, you know, UK loses against Mississippi State. SEC play continues to be a struggle. That, that might spark some some other issues like that, but uh, I, I I don't think we're at that point quite yet. I think I think there's still plenty of reason for optimism, at least in terms of of you know the lack of of internal issues. I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I think it's spot on. I agree with that too. And now that you know, like you said, Fletcher's back on the on the team. I think that was kind of uh, a message to everyone. That was around it. I uh, did have one more, Derek. It's simple. I just now found it in my notifications. It was a d- direct tweet at me from John Lopez. What does UK have to do to go 2-0 and on Saturday? So a win in football, a win in basketball. Uh, they just have to win, <laughs> Derek. Uh, <laughs> Kentucky basketball just has to hit shots and play with sustained effort for 40 minutes. And I think the football team just kind of has to do their thing and uh, establish that ground game. I think that's the biggest thing for UK football going into tomorrow. Uh, kind of one of those games where if you lose it, it doesn't kill you, but if you win it, it can give you some positive momentum and leave you feeling good about the 2020 season, uh, which would lead me into this. Let's just all three make our picks pretty quickly. I'll start. I think both teams get a win tomorrow. I think Kentucky basketball finally gets a win. Uh, I've been saying this. This is the one program that has not beaten John Calipari since he's been in Lexington, and I think if Cal needs to get something figured out, it kind of needs to be the program that he's kind of beaten up on his entire time. Mississippi State's obviously going to be hungry for a win. There will be about 2,500 people in the stands, I think, is the, the the limit that they can reach tomorrow. So if that's full, it will be at least in that small of a venue, it will be a pretty, uh, pretty loud environment, Derek. I'm, I'm expecting there. Uh, on the football side, I think Kentucky gets a win there too. I just think that they've had some success in bowl games the last couple of years. They've always played inspired football, and I think that the the break off the break of time away from the field, uh, there's some special guys in this program that are going to be playing their final game in a Kentucky jersey tomorrow. And I think it's uh, I think they're pretty excited and determined to maybe uh, leave on a high note. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say basketball wins. Uh, just because I, I just refuse to think they'll lose to Mississippi State under Cal until I actually see it happen. I'll give Cal the benefit of the doubt. Football, I just I feel like it's just too uncertain for me. First time play caller on an offense that wasn't really any good this season anyway. I would say they'll lean heavily on Chris Rodriguez. That would be the smart thing to do. A.J. Rose, all those running backs. So I think it's going to be a close game, but I'll stay consistent. I've, I've, I've picked NC State in a close game pretty much all week, so I'll stick with that again. Again, people, if you get mad at that, my picks sucked this year. 
So <laughs> it'd be another game where I miss it, miss it. So definitely don't take my word for the gospel by any means, but um, I don't know. I feel like that's logical though. in picking against Kentucky. Like I don't think there's a huge separate, like I'm not getting caught up on the fact that NC state's eight and three and ranked in the top 25. Like I just, I don't think they're probably that much better if any better than Kentucky. I just think there's so much uncertainty. We just don't know what to expect tomorrow. I don't think on offense and without really knowing what, what it's going to be going into it, it's just hard for me to pick Kentucky, but I certainly think they can win. I'm just going to take – I'll say NC State like 28-20-24, something like that. Close game. Uh, I will say I'll go UK wins both games. Um, I think just something, something's got to give here with this basketball team. Um, they they got to get something back on the right track. Uh, everybody – I think Isaiah Jackson and Joel Justice both mentioned on Thursday – that that this is going to be a fresh start for this team. They they I think they're kind of looking at this like all right, we got through this non-conference slate. Things were horrible. Uh, we we just gotta you know hit hit refresh right now and, and just get something going. So I think they do. Um, I don't know I don't know Terrence Clark's health status. I don't know how much he plays. I don't know uh, if Dante Allen gets in. I mean there are still a bunch of uncertainties with that. But I I, I just still Derek I, I agree. I, I just don't see Cal Perry losing this game. Um, especially given the circumstances. And in football, yeah, I, I agree. There's there's a bunch of uncertainty with it and just, you know, very odd matchup. Everybody's been talking about how um, just kind of a, a weird fit for both sides that, that UK, I think uh, one of the coaches mentioned that this is very similar to the to, to kind of a similar-looking team to Missouri, and we saw how horrible that went for Kentucky earlier this year. So that kind of brings up some concerns, but – I don't know. I'm just kind of riding riding the positivity, and and the, you know they're down in gate in Jacksonville. Everything looks great. They're posting on social media about how happy they are. They're talking about yeah, we're 100. Everything's great. So I, you know, I, I'm just no no real you know hunch outside of why the heck not. Yeah, it, it could be a very good day to start 2021 for Kentucky, and also I guess it could be a bad day, Derek. Uh, the women's team will play at Mississippi State on Sunday as well. Uh, they got a big win last night versus Arkansas. Uh, so it could be a big weekend, could be a kind of an eh in-between weekend. I, I think if you're a Kentucky fan, you're, I mean, the basketball team certainly needs the win tomorrow more, I guess. Uh, football, though, there's a lot of positive buzz, especially with the hire of Liam Cohen. I'm, I think it could be, hopefully for Kentucky fans, they get positive news on both fronts tomorrow. But as we wrap up here, I know you have a special person in your house here who's ready to hear this live read, Derek. I know Dalton has tried the uh, buffalo chicken sandwich at the Butcher's Pub. We're grateful for the Butcher's Pub and their uh, partnership with Kentucky Daily. So get out to the Butcher's Pub, two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. They're posting pictures every day of their specials, that buffalo chicken sandwich that I keep talking about. It's always available. Uh, So make it out to the pub. Show your support. Uh, But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. Jack, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Derek, uh, keep things held down there in Kentucky and Lexington, and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow, Kentucky, NC State at noon Eastern time, and then Kentucky, Mississippi State at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.